This week's episode is brought to you by the This Is My Bourbon Podcast Patreon account, which you can find at patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast. Uh, there's not really a script for this or anything. I want to talk to you guys up top about this, and then we're going to kind of move on to the episode. But uh, I know that things are kind of crazy in this in the world right now, but uh, Patreon has been super helpful for us in terms of supporting the show, and it is a great way for us to... Um, continue making money even in unsure times. Um, we know that you guys can only do so much right now, but we do appreciate everybody who is on the Patreon already. Uh, but we are going to have some exclusive content just for Patreon coming up over the next little bit that is not going to just be the pregame chats or the bonus episodes or the live streams or the hangouts, stuff like that. So you're definitely going to want to get on Patreon uh, and check all that out. Like I said, you can get bonus episodes. You can get exclusive content for as little as $5 a month, but you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month or really whatever you can pay. Uh, all the tiers are listed there, all the different uh, rewards that you get for supporting the show. Again, appreciate everybody who has done that so far. If you can't do that, totally understand. Of course, there is no pressure as always uh, for you to support the show financially. But we appreciate everybody who does. All right, I'm going to get off the soapbox. We're going to get into the episode. Boys, let's do it. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, I don't let's know go. Why. I don't know why I called you boys. Da, da, da. I am a boy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry. I am recording today with the co-hosts, Curtis and Swan who are not actually in the room with me today. I cannot see their faces. Guys, say hello to the people who also can't see your faces. Hello. <laughs> What's up? We are practicing safe social distancing by recording in our respective homes and, uh, you know, practicing good, good healthy habits in the meantime, which also includes drinking bourbon, uh, which we do every week on this show, and we start off with a segment called Flying Blind, which... Surprisingly enough, I have supplied for the boys for the next few weeks. I'm really excited for you guys to try this. I'm actually not going to uh, let you all know what this is until the sample bottle is done. So uh, make sure that you save enough to... Uh, I'm looking at you, Kurt. You probably already finished it all. Um, I didn't. But... We're fine. <laughs> you know I'm messing with you. I, just, just make sure you've got enough to kind of last us through... Uh, the next few weeks of recording. Yeah, sure. When we get a refill, um, wow, uh, that are that gives it away. <laughs> next week, maybe. <laughs> cool. I got mine maybe in New Orleans. You're welcome, Chad. <laughs> but have you ever had this in New Orleans? Oh, you know, I it's even that. worse when it's in your ears, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I can get that all the way from my house to yours. I mean, it's wonderful. It's just what I needed. What do you guys think about the nose on this one? Mm, I don't know what to think of it yet. It's got kind of an underlying rye spice to it. It does, yeah. It's kind of sticking out a little bit. It's not... I don't know how to explain it. 
it's like half dusty. Is that a thing? I don't know how to. <laughs> yeah, what? Do, how do you mean half, half dusty? dusty? Interesting. Like it's got that very pronounced, like it's taken one or two notes and just punched you with it. And I can't really pinpoint what they are. So I'm having trouble thinking it's really dusty. It's like a blend or something. I'll say this. The palate is really citrusy. Oh. I think Ooh, the nose is. really does hit you. I think so, too. I think the nose has got more of a punch than the palate does. But the, the palate has a really nice uh, uh, citrus note to it that I quite yep. enjoy. And the, the finish is getting towards like Werther's Original Caramels. Yeah, and the finish lingers, but it doesn't taste like a high proof. So I'm good and confused, <laughs> which is normal. So that is getting... that is Swan's normal mode of operation. <laughs> I mean, I am getting a higher proof on this. I was also sipping something kind of higher proof before this, so I might be a little fried in that. I also was getting a uh, trying to. It was a nutty note, but I, I'm trying to pick out the specific. I think it's kind of like a candied pecan. Yeah, it's one of those like drier nuts, I guess, that just don't have like a big pronounced like I could be peanut butter type mm-hmm. deal. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely not, it's definitely not peanut. It's not like a peanut butter. It's definitely a specific uh, like a I, I, I would agree with a candied pecan or I don't maybe a, I wouldn't say a cashew or anything, but definitely more on that side of the, of sure. the spectrum. It's like a True. walnut. Hmm. I can see a walnut. I'm getting so, kind of a turkey feel to it, but the citrus is throwing me off because I'll be honest, there's not much turkey that's really got a strong citrus presence at all mm-mm. to me. No. So here's what I'm going to do. Because we are taking multiple weeks to, to figure this out, uh, I'm going to give you guys guesses every week and see if you can kind of approximate what you think it might be. So I'll, we can go proof, distillery, uh, relative age, however you guys want to do that. Um, or if you just want to throw caution to the wind and say it's a specific product, fine too, or just a distillery, uh, whatever. But I'm going to leave the, the guessing up to you. The floor is open for guesses. I've got a very specific guess. I'm gonna go, go I'm gonna it. go specific and I'm gonna narrow it down from week to week. I think this is a 50-50 blend of Elijah Craig Rye and Wild Turkey 101. Okay, Kurt. Well, I'm not gonna be able to come up with something like that. No, um, no. I'm just throwing it out there, Kurt. Hmm. I definitely think it's a higher a higher proof. I'm thinking like a I wanna say like a one. 15 or so like in that range okay i actually you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna document these guesses we'll we'll leave it at that i I don't want to get too specific on it but i wouldn't be surprised if it is a blend of something because it doesn't seem it seems like it's been kind of melded together or something of that nature So, Swan, you said 50-50 EC Rye and Turkey 101? Yeah. I think it's around, what was that, like 97-ish? Sure. Kurt, you said uh, around 115 proof. 
Let's go 112. 112. Okay. This is fun. I like doing this a little bit differently. You know, yeah. we've got to kind of adapt in uh, in uh, ever-changing times. And how about so. this? If somebody specifically gets it before the reveal, like just hits it on the head, you just tell us. Yeah, no, I will absolutely do that. 100%. Oh, that means we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you are wrong this time, but you might not be wrong next week. That's true. <laughs> but more than likely we will. I mean, when you think of how many bourbons, what if you could have blended it, like I got my hands up in the air and all I'm gonna say is who's to say. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I have flying blind for three weeks. I'm gonna save another guest for next week. I have a bourbon I think is very similar, so I'm wondering mm. if it's that. Okay, cool. Well, while you guys are pondering that, until next week, I will ask you, what have you been drinking recently? I've been drinking. I have been a... drinking. Hey. <laughs> you want to fight? Put, you want to go? Put your, hand, put your hand up next time you want to talk. <laughs> just because we're not in the same room doesn't mean we can't fight. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, go ahead, Kurt. <laughs> All right, cool. I have been drinking a uh, Henry McKenna bottle and bond single barrel, so... It's been pretty good. Similar to what you had had the last time you were on. Is that what I had last time? I think because uh, you were talking about that um, that bottle that uh, your roommate yeah, in the found backpack. in the backpack. Yeah, so this is a different bottle. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, this is the bo- a bottle that uh, we just bought. Nice. Okay. Oh, that's right. I got you now. Yeah. I got you now. Because the other one was sitting in about a year and a half in a backpack. (laughs) That's such a long time to be in somebody's backpack and not realize it. (laughs) Perry, don't knock it. That Elijah Craig barrel proof I gave you, the 136, was in the back of my car for like six months. Sitting in an Enterprise (laughs) car dealer lot. (laughs) Is that really 136 proof? Yep. I miss that bottle so much. Me too, buddy, but... What I've been drinking currently is I've been having the <laughs> Fighting Cock six year age stated. Whew, it is so good. This oh, bottle yeah. specifically that I've got, uh, Adam Terry was so gracious and gave this to me. It is it is opening up like crazy. It's starting to taste more like the one you have. Oh, nice. I can see Very the nice. notes start to come out in it. So I've got a whole handle. I'll have to bring it over and let you try it. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't do it right now. Wait a, wait a little bit. Yeah, no, I work retail. That'd be insane. I get you six and out. <laughs> um, but we'll get around to it. So one one of the things that has happened recently is that the whiskey tube community has really come together and started doing um, crazy live stream events. And part of that was, you know, a couple weeks ago, we did the day of live streams. And this past Saturday... ADHD Whiskey, Matt Porter, who has been on the show before, did a live stream of a burger challenge where we all tried to eat as many burgers as we could from McDonald's, just the singles, in 38 minutes. And this is kind of what I've been drinking, but also kind of what's been happening recently and what I've been eating, I guess. And uh, I, I, so he, he got the idea from the Scotch Test Dummies live stream that also happened last week. Uh, where they were trying to beat Joey Chestnut's record of uh, Big Macs. And uh, we were like, oh, Big Macs are like four bucks a piece. 
let's bring it down to the cheeseburgers. And like, even then I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. So this happened last Saturday. I was this feeling a little fantastic. positive. <laughs> yeah, this is a great story. I know, right? Uh, I was feeling pretty positive about myself. Um, I was like, you know what? Give me a dozen McDonald's cheeseburgers. A dozen? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for comparison, here's, here's the other uh, channels that were competing. So there was ADHD Whiskey. He got 16. Okay. Uh, Bourbon Blind, Kyle, he got... 30 uh i whiskey she wines got 32 so that's two people and they were trying to split you know 32 between the two of them and then chris from bourbon sane uh, also got a dozen so i was like you know i might be okay with this oh the other thing too was that you could only drink whiskey during the competition you couldn't drink water right so <laughs> uh we started at about 8 15 and by about 8.25, I had had enough. And by enough, I mean four and a half cheeseburgers from McDonald's. Um, <laughs> by that point, everybody was moving on to anywhere from six to eight. Uh, Bourbon Sane, who if you have not checked out his channel on YouTube, you know he is a skinny little fit dude. He ate all 12 of his and went to the cabinet to go get more snacks and continued eating stuff like peanuts and beef jerky and just an insane amount of food after he was done with that while still drinking a very peri poor glass of whiskey. Um, and it, everybody else was just kind of blown out of the water by Chris. I mean, even, um, <laughs> even, uh, Kyle from bourbon blind who got 30 only made it to 10. So yeah, that's impressive. It was, a, it was, I felt real bad the next day. Also, let me tell you. What's the record for Joey Chestnut and Big Macs? 32. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Burgers for him, though, is uh, like 104 or something. It's in, it's it's Crystal wild, Burgers dude. are a toxin. Nobody should have those. <laughs> <laughs> hey, them's fighting words. You take that up with the grease. That's all oh, I'm going to say. Oh, no. <laughs> I just, that's not good because if the Grease hears this, I will be destroyed. You will. He's no. going to challenge you. <laughs> Who can eat the most White Castle now, I guess? Because Crystal, I think, is closing, but still. In which no, case, no, no, I'll no. be like, no, I don't they like just, them. They, they filed for the bankruptcy that just meant that they had to restructure their, their company. Oh, not that's that unfortunate. Gotcha. I love uh, All right. At first, I was, All right. Barry's like, they filed for the bankruptcy. <laughs> like, All didn't right. file bankruptcy, just file for, for the, the, bankruptcy the bankruptcy on the Facebooks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of what I've been eating recently. What I've been drinking recently, though, is a sample of a Henry McKenna that was not bottled and bond and not single barrel, but is a dusty 80 proofer. Why? Uh, that I got, I I got it. I'll save some for you guys to try too. Um, it's it, it came in a in a package. I had ordered a dusty old granddad. That sounded wrong. That sounded so wrong. <laughs> I I had ordered a dusty old granddad bottled in bond. <laughs> That's better. That's better. Yeah, I hope so. Um, 
Anyway, uh, my buddy Jesse Brown, who uh, sent it to me, also included this sample. Um, and it's really, really good. It's really good. I haven't had too much of it, but I wanted to make sure to save that for you guys. And then also, I'm doing my part in preventing the spread of coronavirus by drinking 120 proof whiskeys at the very least. So, take your medicine, boys and girls. Will do. I've got plenty <laughs> of medicine. Same. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's get into the episode. Let's get into the news. We have got a bunch of stuff to cover this week, which was really surprising to me. I, I had said last week, you know, maybe the news was going to slow down a little bit. Maybe it was going to be kind of a lighter few episodes for a little while. But honestly, it's been pretty consistent in, in terms of news. Um, the, the first one kind of right off the bat is the, the fact that Four Roses suspended distillery operations for a little while. I, I think, honestly, that was the first distillery to make that move. I, I, am, I am, was not shocked by it, but I was kind of shocked by the speed at which that happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it... It totally makes sense, and I understand why they did it. So, and and just to be, you know, in perspective, it it was just spending guest tours, tastings, visitor center operations. So it wasn't like non production, and it was all non uh, production employees. Um, yeah, exactly. But but now it's now it's production, one hundred percent of the way. So the really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now wow. it is distillery operations. That's crazy. That's too. kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are, you know, we, we are going to see at this point distilleries shutting down some of them for the first time since prohibition. If this, if this follows suit, um, in this manner, which is bananas, absolutely insane to me that this could be happening. It is, but you know, I, I do appreciate the, the thought. I mean, you have, what's the number one draw to Kentucky right now? with bourbon being as hot as it is, it's, it's to go to these distilleries. And I mean, four roses is definitely on the map of some place that people want to visit. So sure. they're, they're coming through and you don't know where they've been. I mean, there's some people that could literally just hop off a cruise ship and decide, Oh, well time to go check out the distilleries. That was my thing. Her <laughs> thing was the cruise ship. I want to go here or vice versa. His thing was the cruise ship. I'm trying to go to the distilleries. It's, you, you never know. I mean, I get why they suspended it. The, I've seen a lot, and this kind of goes into our next topic of distilleries taking production and kind of putting it to the side and making things that actually help right now, which we've got plenty that uh, we've got linked here that we're making hand sanitizer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let, um, let's uh, let's talk other, about that. That the, Oh, go ahead, Kurt. Sorry. Was Four Roses the only one uh, so far right now to suspend all operations? As far as I know, yeah, that that's been the only one so far. Hmm. It it'll be interesting to see like what we're talking about next week and the week after. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure those numbers are just going to keep compounding uh, in the coming weeks. But you know, I I I wonder, do we see a shortage on the horizon? Are we going to have another bourbon shortage uh, before too long? I hope not. I mean, but hopefully everybody's got enough stock at this point and the distilleries who don't feel like they have enough stock are going to be working towards that in the meantime, if it is doable for them. 
but I don't, I don't know, man. I'm really holding out hope that we're not going to have to deal with this like we did in the past few years right around the corner. I, I don't think so. I think it'll probably be okay because we, I mean, they've had what rye shortages and stuff in the past, and it's true. It's not really affected us a ton other than uh, Buffalo Trace deciding to take in and out the Van Winkle rye is the big thing I can think of. Or maybe an LE that uh, Four Roses releases maybe being a little more sought after because maybe they made 8,000 bottles instead of 10,000. But stuff like that is kind of where the big shortage shows as opposed to just, oh, I can't find Four Roses small batch on the shelf. Well, I think that um, if we're we're talking about a shortage too in this case, and again, hopefully they have enough for uh, that's ready to be pumped out to the market. But the Four Roses Small Batch Select was supposed to hit a wider market here <laughs> within the next couple of months. So that, Yeah, that may take a small hit. I didn't think yeah. about that. <laughs> that might be a little uh, more select than thought. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, before we do talk about these distilleries who are doing really cool things and really good things for the community here, I want to make sure that we talk about, too, uh, something that did happen that is really detrimental to the uh, the bourbon drinking scene, the bourbon commu- consumer scene, and not just that, but Kentucky economy in general. Uh, the Kentucky Derby was postponed from the first weekend in May all the way to September. September 5th. Like, that's crazy. That, that is, is so far away. And, um, I mean, I think that it's it's kind of understandable in terms of what we're experiencing right now. But at the same time, holy smokes, has this ever happened in the history of the Derby? I mean, Kurt, you work for Keeneland. Do you know of anything like this that has happened in the Derby before now? So I don't believe that this has happened ever, that it's been ran in September. Um, At least, and this is just speaking to Keeneland, but we haven't canceled a spring meet since world war ii true yeah so i assume i assume that the kentucky derby was probably canceled during world war ii at some point i assume that's what happened but i bet you they just canceled it and didn't postpone it till september it's wild why september like what was the thought process behind that you think uh i really don't know because it, it's it's very interesting because you you gotta you you also have to think of okay all these sports have postponed so the MLB the NBA playoffs um, the Masters like golf all of those sports have postponed and then where do we put them at if you're trying to can uh, to play them at the end of the at this year because. Yes, you have summer, but then you have college football, you have the NFL, you have all these sports. So how are they going to compete and sort of like that? So I'm not sure how, what will happen with this. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. I feel like they're going to end up adding ESPNs. Like we're going to have ESPN 13, 14, 15, just like crazy amounts. And they're all going to play it at the same time, which will be ridiculous, but no one's going to go left unentertained. There will be a lot of sports this upcoming uh, summer and and fall. <laughs> so I actually have some uh, some stats on the Derby real quick. It, it's kind of interesting. Um, 
the the derby was not originally always run on the first weekend of may um that that was not that was not really implemented until hold on let me go back a little bit further sorry also are you going to get a mint julep or is it going <laughs> or what we talked about last time is it going to be a mint pumpkin spice julep <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can get out of here with that. Absolutely not. That sounds terrible. I know. It was just something we talked about. So it, it wasn't really until like the 1920s, 1930s that the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby was officially run on the first Saturday in May. Um, but there actually was another postponement in the history of the Derby. Wow. Um, the earliest one, the if, well, if we're talking about World War II, uh, it was in 1945. Uh, it was originally scheduled for May night or May fifth, rather, 1945. Uh, but when Germany surrendered in the aftermath of World War II, it took place on June 9th, 1945. So, yeah. it has actually been uh, postponed in the past. Yeah, I, I assume wild. the reasoning for pushing it back further, and don't quote me on this. I really have no clue this is just my opinion is it probably has something to do with the uh derby prep races that they get points in order to run in the derby uh so they will have to evaluate how they do that sure sure like for keeneland for instance we have the toyota bluegrass and you get i believe it's a hundred points or it might be 50 uh, to the road to the Kentucky Derby is what they call it. Uh, so mm-hmm. the higher points, you know, you get your, your spot in the Derby. So I assume that's sure. what they're, why they pushed it back that far was to allow Derby preps to happen still. Right. Right. And uh, going off this article that um, I saw, by the way, or that I pulled some of this information from, uh, this really is the second time in the entire 145-year-old history of the Derby that it's been postponed. So, just wild, man. Just wild. Uh, but I'll tell you what, though. I, it, it's just another occasion to uh, go and drink bourbon. So, <laughs> I can't complain too much about it, I guess. It's true. I'm, I'm not and mad I, about that. Go pick up a bottle of Woodford. Yeah. The ones that say May 2nd. I imagine, too, that the turnout is going to be uh, crazy this year for the Derby once it actually comes around in September. So, I mean, it is, as far as numbers go, you know, if we're looking at how it's going to affect it, um, it may, of course, be slightly different. But I, I think that, you know, it's better for them to postpone than it is to cancel. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you can't you can't. It's hard. so hard to cancel annual events like this. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, how do you call it annual if you skip a year? It's, it's, it gets weird. Yeah. 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 For sure. All right. Next bit of news. Uh, a little bit more lighthearted, which we were talking about, uh, just a second ago. There are quite a few distilleries around here that are, instead of using their products to make whiskey or bourbon, they're actually using it to produce hand sanitizer for those who need it uh, in, in the bluegrass region and actually all the way down into uh, into Tennessee as well. This, I will say, of all the things that I kind of anticipated happening uh, when when the, the pandemic broke out, this wasn't one of them. 
No, I didn't see this coming at all. I mean, I've had some bourbon that tastes like hand sanitizer, but I've never had Well, that's actually... a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've never intentionally had it made like that. So that's really cool that they're doing that um, and offering it up. I think uh, there was a good list of people that were doing it and offering it to just their local area as opposed to like selling it, which is even crazier because at this time, with not making the kind of profits you want to see, you'd almost be, you know, the incentive is to sell it. That that may be true, but I think that I think that what we're seeing right now is the strength of the community and the strength of the industry and the way that they support the community and the way they support the economy. And and you know, because they are able to kind of take this hit, it shows the strength of the bourbon market as it stands right now, or the whiskey market in general. And so it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah, sure, plenty of us want to see that go to be made uh, in, into whiskey, but at the same time, this is not the time for it to actually happen right now. I mean, th- this is not only acting on, on on good morals, good laurels, but also setting an example for those who do partake in those who consider themselves to be a part of the community. So I, I, it's, it's hard not to say it or it's hard, hard to not say it. It's hard to not say it, but good on them. I mean, this is awesome. And if, if people ever doubted the impact that, that distilleries could have had on their community, this is a firsthand example that people are seeing now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can just tell how important bourbon is too, just to, everyone in Kentucky because even like all the essential businesses or non-essential businesses closed the other day. And our governor was like, yeah, keep the liquor stores open. You know I mean? He he actually went out and said that liquor stores were an essential business to Kentucky. And I love that (laughs) because not only is that just funny to think about, but it just shows how important bourbon is. And especially in quarantine, I want to, I want something to keep me, you know, warm just a little bit. It's fine. 120 proof might kill off some of the, The extra virus floating around. If Kentuckians didn't love Andy Bashir already, I mean that is a really good indication that he is—he's <laughs> got our, our our best interests in, at, at heart. Yeah, oh, yeah I think it's really been great. Yeah, the memes have been great. Uh, I think it's just like a really cool thing, and uh, it shows the strength of the bourbon industry. But also, uh, you know, this is kind of a Kentucky pitch a little bit, but just the whole. Uh, the whole state of Kentucky and Andy Bashir and all, all of those, uh, you know, they've rallied together and kind of united and brought this whole initiative uh, to, to Kentucky. And so it's, it's been cool to see. Um, so I, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, if, if people were not already won over to the, the bourbon side, they're going to be now. They're going to be now. So yeah. good good things all around. Uh in in another bit of I would say I would say good news. This is kind of good news in terms of people uh fighting for themselves. Um the Tennessee Distillers Guild uh rather <clears throat> are urging their uh their government to provide some kind of relief to uh, to the hospitality industry, which does trickle down into distilleries and breweries. Um, 
because I mean, there, there are plenty of places. I mean, as we have talked about already that are closed down or are going to close down. And I mean, that is revenue that they are not going to be seeing for who knows how long. And, you know, I, I think it's great to see Tennessee making this pitch and kind of paving the way for what I'm sure Kentucky will do eventually, hopefully within the next um, couple of couple of weeks, I would say. But, you know, th- this just goes to show that, I mean, again, the, the community and the strength of the people who are a part of this community um, are, it, it is unwavering during this time. I'm just going to fill the silence with a cork pop. Hold on. There we go. What'd you, what'd you pop there, Swanee? I'm having uh, some No Country for Old Men Knob Creek pick. Nice. Very nice. Anyway, so um, I, I don't, I mean, I think it goes without saying that none of us want to see this industry falter during this time. No, I, right. don't, I don't think they will. They got Definitely so not. much money behind this and so much heritage. So it, it with with that being said, is it is it understandable or reasonable for distilleries to be asking for help in this time? I don't think it's unreasonable at all. I mean, I don't think so either. Right now, you've got so many distilleries that are basically saying, uh, like, look at Buffalo Trace. They're they're so renowned for what they do, but they've faced an issue in the past two to three years in particular, where it's like, we can't keep up with demand. So they're taking every bit of the profit they make and just dumping it straight back into the distillery to make it work for the next 10 to 15 years. It's not necessarily geared to work for right now. I could definitely see them looking at Kentucky and saying, listen, we need a small kickback because even though it's Mm -hmm. not convenient right now, 10 to 15 years from now, the tourism it's going to bring in the amount of bourbon we're going to produce and get taxed just alone here in Kentucky. It's going to be worth it. I think it's a smart play on them to ask for money if they need it uh, granted, but I don't think Buffalo trace needs it, but smaller places like castle and key who just invested a ton of money in their facility they might need that kickback you know yeah i mean i i i swan said it perfectly i think i mean it's just ditto on what you said you know uh these companies you know if you need it you need it and if you don't well you know that's all right as well um so i i think too that we are going to see an enormous boom in Kentucky tourism or bourbon tourism once all of this settles. I mean, really, it, it's it's going to be just a flood of people trying to make it to the bluegrass to hit up any of these distilleries. I mean, we, we're, we're going to see craft distilleries getting over overrun. We're going to see the major distilleries getting overrun. I mean, people are going to not only want to get out of the house, but they're going to want to try to find some kind of external relief at that point that doesn't, you know, that doesn't involve them watching Netflix for eight hours a day. Yeah. And, and the bourbon industry has such a known aspect of, you know, Oh, highly sought after bottles or just things that you can't get things that you can't ever get again, or, you know, things like that. And I think that could be a, I mean, a big tourism bring, 
No, I, I get that. And also, it's a great excuse to uh, get out and, you know, have a drink at noon uh, during a tour. So it, it's always nice to kind of kick back and relax when you come to Kentucky and, and see some of that. Not to mention, what's really going to spike tourism come September, the Derby. I mean, you, you've just we just went over it. I mean, people are going to be here for all sorts of reasons, probably a good whole week, just enjoying what we have to offer. And what's better than dropping by Woodford and seeing the bourbon be made that you're about to have made in your cocktail. Well, speaking of uh, a slight boom, um, I think this is going to be really interesting. Uh, and, and this is going to be our last topic before we get into the slew of, uh, <laughs> of TTB labels that were approved this week. Um, but this is the fact that uh, there was a bill that hit the the, uh, the House floor in Kentucky, uh, House Bill 415, uh, which would allow distilleries to ship wine, spirits, and beer directly to consumers. <laughs> which is awesome. It's something that uh, we in Kentucky have not been able to do up until now. Um, there, there's a few things that would be required for it, and I'm also quoting from the uh, GoBourbon.com article, uh, thank you. Thanks to you guys uh, for getting this put together for us. Uh, shipments must be marked as alcohol, and a twenty-year-old, twenty-one-year-old uh, must sign for it. Uh, the shipment must not contain more than nine liters per person per day for distilled spirits, uh, four cases of wine per person per day, or two cases of malted beverages per person per day. Uh, shipment details submitted to the Department of Revenue monthly. A fifteen percent tax on the gross receipt must be paid to the Department of Revenue. So uh, the big thing there, I think, that we have to talk about is the amount of money that you would be spending on this. Um, 15% is a lot more than what we normally spend on tax in Kentucky. It's normally 6%. But going back kind of to what you were just saying, Kurt, this might allow for distilleries to send exclusive bottles to, uh, to consumers at home uh, instead of maybe having to go to the distillery. And, I mean, we we are seeing something in the wake of Buffalo Trace limiting the amount of Blanton's bottles that you can buy in a three-month period, which is, I, I think we've talked about that a little bit already on the show. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think that something like that would be included, but, you know, maybe you would be able to order a bottle or two of the Elijah Craig Barrel Select from Heaven Hill, uh, or an exclusive Michter's bottle, or you know what, whatever it is, and have it shipped directly to your door. I mean, I would love to have a pretty steady uh, flow of Elijah Craig Barrel Select coming right to me. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, honestly, I think it's fine under a certain price. It's no more expensive than if you were to like Grubhub some food. You know, I mean, it's true. It's comparable. You're paying maybe not tax necessarily, but a fee. Uh, I mean, once you start getting into like, it's a $150 bottle or God forbid you found a bottle of like Kentucky owl that you're like, okay, that's a good price. I want it 15% on top of that would be probably a little insane. But if you're just having some old granddad, one fourteen after you've already had a couple of drinks delivered to your house, I don't see any problem in it. I'd pay the 15%. <laughs> sure. Just roll with it. I, I think that, you know, it, it does become a conversation of whether or not you're ordering an exclusive item, but this is still a major step forward. Uh, it hasn't passed yet, from what I understand, um, but it has, uh, it has 
Oh, wait, no, I was wrong. It did pass. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Hooray for shipping bourbon. So that's something we have to look forward to. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. There's one thing that I do enjoy about this. Imagine if you did a barrel pick and had the bottles delivered to, say, like a um, a bourbon society here in Lexington. If you wanted to, you could just ship it directly to the houses. Swan, you're really thinking there. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I just think that'd be interesting because you wouldn't have to. You really wouldn't have to deal with, you know, one person buying it, one person distributing it by themselves and, and all that. You would just, you know, here's the addresses, ship it out. Good, good, uh, positive note to end on there before we uh, we move into the, the TTB labels, which I'm super excited to talk oh, about you guys. Um, yes. Okay. I'm so I'm so pumped for this. I'm excited, um, but I'm angry as well. I have things to be angry about. I kind of understand some of that, but at the same time, I don't know. We'll see. The first one, the big one, and this is the one that I am maybe the most excited about, and I'll tell you why here in a second. It is the Old Forester birthday bourbon, which I didn't ever think that I would say in my entire life. This is going to be a 10-year-old bottled bourbon at 98 proof. The past few years have been either good or not so good. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of, it's been kind of a shot in the dark in, in terms of quality. But um, do you guys have any kind of excitement for this? I have no excitement for it. Oh, that's a shame. They keep dropping <laughs> the years on it. It was It went from a 12 to an 11 last year to attend this year. And they've been having this growing trend recently where they keep upping the proof last year, getting up to, I think 105 and now it's back down to 98. I have confidence that somebody's going to select it at the correct proof. And I think that's, that's nice, but I don't understand why the price is probably going to jump even more again this year for a, a 10 year old bourbon. I don't know if the price is going to jump this year. Um, I kind of, I, I, I'm probably being cautiously optimistic, but I, I imagine that it's going to stay around that one one twenty price tag. Um, here, here's why I'm excited for this, and it's because I'm a sentimental old soul. Um, this was barreled in uh, the year that Lucy and I started dating, so the, you know we're coming up on our ten year anniversary this year. So I'm kind of excited to see a ten year old product. From that year, you know, so yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, no, 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 no. Don't feel bad at all. I mean, like there, there's reasons, you know, for, for everybody to be excited or not excited about it. I'm excited because it holds some sentimental value to me. So, I mean, that, that's it. It may, it may be a terrible bourbon. Who's to say, but I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm remaining cautiously optimistic about it. As I said, I just think it's odd that we have companies like heaven Hill who will take, you know, their kind of funk, like funky bottling that they put out in like the, the canner style, or it has that like really specific bottle shape and they'll actually alter the price for years. So the 15 year was the most expensive they've released yet. And the nine year was the cheapest they've released yet. And that price is always based on the amount of years. And with this, they've dropped the years two year, or the the amount of years that it's aged two years in a row now, 
And I guarantee it's going to maintain that same elevated price tag that it did from last year. And not even four or five years ago, this was a $99 bourbon at 12 years. That is true. I mean, that's just, it's odd to me. And again, this is somebody that has curated this bourbon to be this age, this proof. So I could be completely wrong in this, but it just doesn't doesn't bode well for me. I'm also just a proof hound when it comes to Old Forester. I think that it just really shines when it's 110 or above, and they've yet to get close to that with any of the Old Forester birthday bourbon products. Sure, sure. That is fair. Um, I I always get excited for LE products. I do. I, I want to know what distilleries consider to be the best of the best uh, in in you know within their own parameters. So if this if this is a a stellar whiskey, I'm excited for it. You know, of course, if not, whatever. But I honestly, you know, for me right now, as far as sentimental value goes, this is a, a pickup for me. So and maybe you know I should be buying an old Rip Ten instead. Um, <laughs> or another 10 year old whiskey that comes out this year. But I don't know. I like the birthday bourbon stamp of a, a stamp on there. So just me, I guess. Uh, next product. Old pepper distillery. Straight the old rye. pepper. Yes. This is 110 proof straight rye whiskey. Uh, one important note right here. And this kind of baffles me because Old Pepper, well, the Jamesy Pepper Distillery in Lexington uh, has been around a long, a long enough time to be able to have produced their own product. Well, the back of the label says that this was distilled in Kentucky and Indiana. Mm, okay. I am really surprised that we are seeing a product, a four-year-old product, um, that this distillery is putting out <laughs> that is not necessarily their own distillate. It is a little strange to have the ability to do it and not do it. But exactly again, going back to kind of the curated aspect, hopefully somebody smarter than myself has thought our own product maybe is not standing up to be as strong as we wanted it to be. Let's add something into it to kind of get what I want, which is what I hope the case is. But I'm excited because old pepper has this weird thing for me where it's like, every time I sip it, I get surprised. Like it's my first sip of the night of like really strong barrel proof bourbon, no matter what release. And it just kind of like gives you that punch. And I I love that. And their rise is, is keen on that i mean it it definitely shows that every time you have a sip of it i don't i don't disagree with that i think that they are kind of a dark horse in terms of the the industry right now and i mean if if they are committed to the 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 sourcing aspect of calling a whiskey their own fine go for it i mean who am i to say that you know, there's a right or wrong way to go about it, but it, it, I think that with a distillery like James Pepper that does have a storied uh, history behind them, I mean, they are DSP five uh, in Kentucky. You know that you you think that they would want to try to create their own 
product at this time. But it's understandable if it's just not up to snuff. Uh, well, let's move on to the next couple of labels. These actually kind of go hand in hand, and I just noticed something uh, very interesting. Yeah, I did uh, too. About these. I Was it the fact that um, they are both single barrel swan? And they're both hand-selected by somebody? Well, I think that um, that that uh, hand-selected by line, like the name that they give it, I think that's just kind of a placeholder. Um, but I think think i think that's what that means though is that both of these products are going to be reserved exclusively for single barrel picks which i have not seen from luxro yeah from luxro at all so what we're talking about here is a rebel yell distillers collection single barrel and the ezra brooks distillers collection single barrel and uh, it, it it doesn't explicitly say single barrel, but what it says is handpicked from extraordinary barrels. Fine, I know that everybody's got to kind of fluff it up a little, fluff it up a little bit to you know distinguish themselves from from everybody else. I would have rather they just called it a single barrel product, but at the same time, I'm excited to see these two products. Um, come out side by side in some capacity. Rebel Yell, of course, is a weeded single barrel, or excuse me, a weeded bourbon, uh, whereas Ezra Brooks is a rye bourbon. So we don't see a lot of uh, single barrel weeded bourbons out there. This is a kind of interesting step in this direction. Yeah, and I also enjoy the fact that it's going to be 110 proof according to this mm-hmm. label. Uh, so I'm assuming that if you go on a barrel pick with this, you're going to be getting barrel proof and then proof down to 110. So yeah. I, I'm curious yeah. to see what that, like how much they have to proof these down. Is it going to be kind of like with Knob Creek where you take two or 3% out of it? Or is it going to be like 10, 15, 20%? Yeah. I mean, Rebel Yell really has kind of been making a line for themselves with the, uh, the 10 year and uh, the 100 proof they, that came out. <clears throat> last year as well, which by the way, I mean, I still love, I thought that was a fantastic addition to their, their product lineup. So yeah, I, I think that we are definitely seeing an expansion in, you know, what was at one time a pretty strong line, uh, in the, uh, in the bourbon industry. So I don't know, hope maybe we'll see more from, uh, from, uh, Lux Row and the rebel yell line here coming up soon. The next label that we've got, and uh, one that is, uh, I'm sure, to be a crowd pleaser this year, as it normally is, is the Four Roses Small Batch Limited Edition 2020 release. Uh, it is clocking in, as of right now, at 108 proof. Yeah, Which... but I've noticed they haven't listed the recipes uh, on top like they have in previous years. Yeah, they haven't, but... I don't, I don't know. It's really interesting that they've already got the proof, but not the the recipes. Not only the proof, but they got the amount of bottles they plan to release, which is ten thousand eight hundred ninety six. True, and and all the tasting notes on the back, which uh, they say aromas of apple, orange peel, honey, and vanilla mingle with soft fruit flavors of apricot, pear, and hints of red berries. Uh, balanced with notes of rye spice and light oak, leading to a long, soft finish with refreshing fruit tones. I'm here for it. I feel like that's going to be some yeah. of the best jam I've ever had in my life. And I'm not a jam person, <laughs> but I'm trying to be. 
That sounds awesome, but they don't have the recipe yet, like labeled. No, I mean normally, you know, they list like uh, you know OESK and yeah, OBSB, yeah, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. But the it, it, I don't know. I'm hoping that they've gotten all this figured out before <laughs> before they've jumped into it. <laughs> that's pretty wild though i mean i guess they know what kind of shape and what kind of feel they want it to be so maybe that's it's something like that sure sure i don't know that's bold it's a bold move on their part but well uh, i trust go ahead oh no i'm just saying i trust them even if they came up with the tasting notes beforehand i'm sure they can come <laughs> up with something exactly you know, that's four <laughs> roses they can do whatever they want yeah exactly um 108 proof little bit low especially in terms of a barrel strength product but if we're talking about low barrel strengths that is nothing compared to uh the next product that we have which swan is going to go off on i think what is a barrel proof at 89.5 proof (laughs) this is ridiculous this is the russell's reserve 2003 yep am i right um which is a barrel-proof product of a 16-year-old bourbon that is clocking in at 89.5 proof. What in tarnation, <laughs> as my grandpappy used to say? Did they age water? What's going on here? I'm I so... don't know. It's it's odd, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna let them do their thing on this because I'm gonna honestly admit the Russell's Reserve. 2002 was not my thing. I didn't get the chance to try the 1998, but I've heard a lot of people say that that one's the preferred of the two. This one hopefully will come in and do some interesting things. This is kind of more of a scotch territory as far as like a, you know, higher proof because they generally do put the scotch more 80 to like 95. It's a really good point, Swan. So maybe they're they're appealing to that kind of drinker that's more of like, I'm not trying to jump down your throat with the just ridiculous proof houndy, like high proof stuff, but I want you to pick up on the nuance even at the low proof. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, after after having uh, what we had last week, Perry, which was the Russell's uh, 10 year. Yeah. That we were, we were so high on. So like, oh, wow, like this is kind of the underdog of, of the bourbon. This is like a next Henry McKenna a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I think this will be really kind of cool to, to see. I, the 89 proof definitely will be interesting. And Swan, I, I've never had or, or tried the 2002 uh, that you were talking about. But, uh, you know, I definitely trust the the Russells in in whatever they're doing. So that's it. Well, that that is a good point. Yeah, the 2002 was just oaky. Like it was extremely oaky. It was I, very bitter. Yeah, okay. it, was, it was pretty bitter. Like I, we had what was it? The Barter House 20 year old, and I think mm-hmm. comparatively, the oak comes off on the Russells. Just it dominates the entire palette. It gets a little of like that 90% like cocoa chocolate bitterness to it, hmm. which may be for some people, but for me, it was just, it was too much. That's uh, super it, interesting to me because what, what kind of bitter taste are you getting? Is it like a, a cocoa? It was for me. Yeah. But or I, I think I guess is what the, 
the proper yeah. term would be. Yeah, but to me, that's what it was. To others, it was more of like a, just a barrel twinge, I think is what somebody kind of noted it as, but I don't that, know. That's pretty similar to what I gave uh, my tasting notes on it, I think. It's been a while since I've tried that one, but it sounds pretty <laughs> pretty right. Hmm. What's it? What's it? What's it feel like to you? Like when you're tasting it, is it like a like? What's your reaction to when you have that? I know it was a long time ago that you've had it, but if you it's, can go back and just kind of think of what you were experiencing, what was it? Imagine if like you had a good Russell's pick, and it was just a nice like regular dark chocolate, and you enjoyed it, and then somebody handed you and said, Hey, this is more dark chocolate, but then you bit into it and it was 90% cocoa chocolate. Like you don't not enjoy it. It's not awful, but at the same time, it's just a weirdly like slightly off putting. This wasn't what I was expecting. Perry. Um, it, it was kind of in that same vein where something just really seemed off, but at the same time, it wasn't it wasn't super unpleasant. I would say I, I still could find some joy in drinking it. It just wasn't it wasn't, I think, what I was expecting at that price point. Which by the way, the two thousand two was a two hundred and fifty dollar bottle of bourbon. Okay. So, yeah, that's a yeah. That's a whole different perspective. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we could maybe be looking at, if not the same price point, very very similar with the two thousand three. Gotcha. So I guess my my point was was trying to to see like because you were talking about how it was bitter. It had just like a was it more on the palate or on the finish or on the yeah nerve? definitely on the palate for me. Yeah, it's all palate. Gotcha. But it was more of like a bitter cacao kind of note. Chocolate. Yes, I would say. Gotcha. I was just, I was wondering because I was trying to compare like, to see, okay, is that something w- what I get with the 101 where I have a little bit of this uh, on the palate? It's just this little bit of a bitter note to me. And I don't know what it is, but it's just a little off-putting to me. And, and it seems like this would be like way more extreme and more towards chocolate note. But I was just curious if there were any similarities there. So that's why I was asking. Well, I, I don't really have anything else to say about this one. Do you, Swanee? No, I'm good. I think we can move on to the next one, which was uh, Chad and Sarah's favorite of last year. It's a rendition of that. It's the Woolly yeah, Heaven it's, Hill. Yeah, I'm, I, I have some thoughts about this one. As I, as you very much did with the last one. So this is uh, this year's William Heaven Hill uh, kind of select bourbon that's coming out from uh, from Heaven Hill Distillery. Um, I, I this year it's a small batch, thirteen year old bottled and bond product. Now the William Heaven Hills usually go for about the same price as the Russell's two thousand three. The Russell's, you know, limiteds in general. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about two two fifty, and to see Heaven Hill putting out a yet another 
limited bottled and bond product that is just a couple years older than Henry McKenna at 10 years old. I am a little bit baffled by this. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's it's odd. I think this is a collector's, uh, um, you know, kind of a FOMO thing. I'm not saying it's not going to taste amazing because I do think it's going to be good, but I don't have $250 to drop on it. And I think unless you've got a decent collection of the William Heaven Hill, this is just not going to be worth it to you. That's what I would agree with. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would drop that kind of money for, it, it definitely seems like more of a collector's item than, you know, it, it'll definitely be good and things like that, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Reading off the back of the bottle. I mean, not, not a whole lot in, uh, in terms of tasting notes or anything, really nothing in terms of tasting notes. It's all really just about the, uh, the history behind this product and behind Bardstown, I, but they said that only 35 barrels qualified for this product uh, with a barrel entry date of uh, October 19th, 2006. So I don't know, man. I think this, if, if I liked the, the proof and the age on last year's William Heaven Hill a lot more than I did this one. And I I know that it's, probably premature but everything from across the board on last year's William Heaven Hill was very positive so I don't know who are they appealing to at this point collectors I mean that's the only thing I can think of that's it I mean so what what else do they have as far as limited edition releases? They've got old fits that they're putting out. They've Parkers. got Parkers. And then, I mean, really, they've got the two Elijah Craig and Larceny Barrel Proof right now. So this is like... Well, but they've also got Elijah Craig 18 and 23. Craig 18 and 23, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of really good solid releases I don't know what gap this is necessarily filling. I mean, why would you have something that's just astronomically priced compared to something that's kind of similar in in age range? That's where I'm sitting too. Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. I think this is a weird release for them. And they've had bottled bonds in the past, and I'm not sure what the price has been, but this just feels like a strange... uh, almost a money grab for them. But I I mean, I know it's not. I know it's going to be good. And I understand that, you know, as we pointed out a couple times this episode, it's curated to be pulled exactly when it is. I mean, they even said only a few barrels qualified for this. What was it, 38? 35. 35, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty strict with the amount of warehouses they have. Um, but it's not, it's not for me. The target audience is definitely going to be somebody that's got – you know, a bit more money than myself and has probably collected quite a few of these and wants to just add to that collection. Sure. This, I mean, I, I would like to try it. I mean, of course I would like to try it, but this probably is going to be a pass for me to be quite honest. Yeah. I'm excited for the Parkers from this year. I want to see what that's like for them. Cause they knocked it out of the park last year. For sure. For sure. Well, after a very lengthy news segment, you guys want to drink some more bourbon? Absolutely. I've Sounds been sipping on some Mueller 12. <laughs> oh, oh wow. look at you, Tony. 
with the Weller, then the Weller 12. Wow. Yeah. The special reserve <laughs> is uh, going to get used, I think, for more of those cocktails. They were pretty good. Yeah. Perry's one is uh, definitely going to be used for that. <laughs> yeah. The special reserve? Yeah. You said it was uh, a little weird. funky. Oh, it's, I it's guess you dead it, now. Didn't you? It's dead, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as I said kind of at the top of the episode, I provided samples for these guys um, so we could kind of maintain the, uh, the the system that we normally have of flying blind and reviews. And we, like I, I did I say it on the main feed or the Patreon uh, pregame chats uh, where I asked you guys what you wanted to do uh, in terms of high or low proof and Swan immediately said, high proof. Um, so this is a higher proof bourbon uh, that we are going to be reviewing tonight. Um, out of the five samples that I gave these guys, this is sample D. Sounds like everybody's pouring right now. <laughs> How'd you know? I'm honestly just comparing the color to all of them, but I feel stupid because one of my sample bottles is brown. So I was like, man, <laughs> this one's dark. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing though. I forget which uh, which sample bottle it was, but I was like, "This is actually really light." Well, sample sample C for both of you all was in dark bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Oh. It wasn't sample C. I, I was just comparing to the others. It was intentional. Hmm. Okay. Well, I just I figured I was going to be consistent. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't. It wasn't to throw anybody off. I just wanted to, you know. Make sure you, nobody had a leg up or anything. You said Needless sample to say, which is in? Sample C, you said? Sample C is the, the one that y'all both had that was in the dark label, or the dark bottle, but yeah. we're reviewing sample D. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and sample A and D are in, like similar in color, but E and B are similar, are darker. Yeah. But, you know, I'm excited because we're getting to do Flying Blind Part 2. Oh, yeah. yeah no kidding. Awesome. Yeah. No kidding. So I am not going to uh, review or reveal, rather, what this product is until we get to the price section um, of the review. And for anybody who is new to the show, first off, welcome. Thank you for making it this far into the episode. Uh, we do have a review system of nose, palette, finish, and price. Each category is out of five. And you get a final score out of 20. What do you guys get on the nose on your sample D? I'm getting uh, some smokiness. I'm getting a, kind of like a smoked meats kind of feel. Some of that charred oak barrel. Uh, I think that's probably influenced from the proof uh, since this is the highest proof that we have. Um, I really enjoy it. It's really nice. Yeah, I'm getting some like dark chocolate. But then also a lot of that smokiness. It's kind of nice. I love that smoked meat nose. Yeah, I think that's um, a good point, though, Swan, on the uh, dark chocolate that you were talking about. I think that that really has uh, has some legs with it. It's not I don't think it's the most predominant thing on the nose, but it has this nice little sweet kind of note to it. Yeah, and it's also just 
looking at the legs and stuff in the glass, it is viscous. I don't know what this is. I'll tell you what it did to me. It went down the wrong way. <laughs> oh, no. I'm dropping stuff and drinking the wrong way. Ooh, this is a this is a very predominant corn whiskey on the on the palate. Yeah. Whew. Whew. This is giving me almost like a that dickle bottled and bond kind of thing where it's it's oh. real predominant as far as corn goes. But it's also reminding me a little bit of when I tasted Elijah Craig C919. Wow. Interesting. Mm. I'm not getting the C919, but I'm definitely getting some more of that Dickel uh, buttered popcorn uh, kind of feel to it. I'm getting that on the finish, but it's it's coupled with a dark note that I can't quite pick out, and it might be leaning more savory. Um Kind of like barbecue sauce, I would say. Yeah, I could see that. I can get a barbecue sauce for sure. Kind of that tangy kind of uh, yeah feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, for yeah. me, it's almost like actual barbecue, like pulled pork. That kind of smokiness you get from like a smoked pulled pork. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's super savory. Oh, a hundred percent. And maybe I, I might have uh misjudged on the pop buttered popcorn feel. I'm definitely get, getting more but it's it's interesting because it's like a buttered some sort of mash like baked potato pork like pulled pork meal. It's, oh it's interesting. I kinda I kinda see what you're saying. Like there is a starchiness to it. Too, yeah, but I I think that um, what you're kind of leaning on is the the corn note um, that's in there. Yeah, maybe a cornbread. I really like the nose on this. <laughs> I like the nose on this. I'll admit I am not a big fan of the palate. I do enjoy the finish. I think the palate just kind of reveals like it seems like it's more of a younger whiskey. It hasn't quite fully developed to that like stringent corn note that it hits yeah i don't know it's weird because it's got a lot of like nuance in places but there's parts of the palate where it's just wow this is a corn whiskey uh i don't know well for for me that that corn sweetness kind of hits like right in the middle of the palate yeah but on the on on the outside ends of my tongue then I'm starting to get the the savory and kind of the bitter notes as well. And like, you can totally see the barrel influence. Um, but also that's really where I'm starting to pick up the, 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 those uh, kind of pulled pork flavors too. Yeah. This is interesting. I think I'm ready to go it's, with the, the nose. Sure. Uh, do you want me to keep notes on uh, on our scores, or do we all want to do them individually? I got mine on uh, on my notes. Okay. Yeah, I got mine as well. Cool. All right, Swan, what do you have on the nose, then? Uh, for the nose, I'm going to give it a 2.5. Okay. Actually, no, I'm going to change that to a 3. I think the nose is probably one of the stronger points of this. 
I, I do enjoy it. It is a little hard to pick apart, uh, but that's not always a bad thing because that makes me want to revisit this definitely more than once. Um, I do I do like the fact that even though there's a savory, there is kind of like a little bit of a uh, sweet note to kind of break it up a little bit. Um, do you want me to go ahead and go with my palate as well? Uh, yeah, you may as well. Okay, the palette's where it changes for me. All of that that I got on there doesn't show up quite in the palette like I got on the nose. The corn note is prominent, and it seems like it needs some additional age, or maybe it's overaged. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not a scientist with this stuff. You know, I'm just guessing and giving my opinion here, but um, I, I do think that maybe it wasn't pulled at the right time. You know, maybe it needed some extra age. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 2.5. I, I don't think it's too far behind, but that corniness directly in the center of the palette throws me off. Okay. And you're going to, you're going to wait on the, on the uh, price of course here for a second. Finish and price, right? Well, I mean, give, give it the, the finish score, but I mean, you got to wait on the price because you don't even know what it is yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, finish, I'm going to give it a, a, th- a three. I think the finish is good. It's a little short. It's not super long, but the one thing I am going to give it points for is mouthfeel. Like I, I don't usually go that route with, with bourbon, but this is very viscous. It has a lot of like oiliness to it and it definitely sticks around flavor wise. Uh, and I generally associate the finish with more of like that kind of lingering burn that you get along with flavor. Yeah. This one's missing that lingering burn, but it definitely maintains the flavor. It is so viscous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for my nose, I'm, I definitely think that this was the, the strong point of this bourbon or, or whiskey. Um, it just, it ha- it offers a lot. It offers a lot of uh, smokiness, a lot of savoriness. It has that smoked meat feel, but also has that uh, cacao kind of bitter, like chocolate sweet note that we were talking about. And I think that was really, really nice about it. Um, so that's why I give it a 3.5. It It's a good nose. It really is. And then moving to the palate. Uh, for the palate, that's where... I thought that it it what it was a little less than the nose. It it didn't live up to as much as I wanted it to. Um, but with that being said, I got a lot more of it transitioned to a cornbread note. Uh, to a it, it it maintained that smoked meats that uh, that kind of feel with the barbecue sauce that we were talking about. So I think that was really really nice. What do you would you agree with that or? Yeah, no, I, I think I would. Um, there's just parts of it I feel like need to be a little more refined. But I, I definitely agree with a lot of the tasting notes. I think that's spot on for what I was getting. Yeah. Um, for me, the this is this was the low point for me was the the finish. Oh, okay. The, the finish for me honestly didn't do a lot for me. Um. And I, I teetered on a two. I'm giving it a two point five. Um, the finish for me, it just it stopped short. It didn't uh, progress on the palate or the nose on what 
you were getting beforehand. So that was my kind of problem with it. So I gave it a 2.5. Um, I will agree that it was pretty viscous on the, on the, uh, you know, as it lingers there for a while, the mouth feel of it feels pretty, uh, viscous, but I don't know if it's offering anything to me. Uh, so I think 2.5 for that. Um, but overall, I think, I think it's pretty nice. It's very unique, very interesting. This is really interesting to me because I have I've kind of held on to this bottle for a little while. Um, I held off on reviewing it with you guys for a minute because you know we were constantly you know bombarded with you know this is relevant, this is something that we need to touch on, this, that, and the other. Um, so it seemed like this was a fairly appropriate time to talk about this this bourbon. Um, I'm gonna go through my my different levels before I tell you what it is. I gave the nose a three. Um, I rely so heavily on that note of smokiness or I. Uh, of the savoriness that we've been talking about with like a pulled pork or with a, with a rib, you know, like a big rack of ribs kind of note to it too. Or like brisket. The smoke, like a brisket. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is very smoke housey. Um, but there is an underlying note that I am getting that is very floral. And I don't, I can't quite, put my finger on what exactly it is, but it is laying somewhere in that like, um, honeysuckle realm. So it, 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 if we're talking about like a sweet barbecue sauce, I think that's kind of what I would be getting with the nose. Um, it's not a traditional bourbon nose to me, of course. So I'm giving it a three. I think that it has a uh, great moments to it. But I just don't think it has a very like luau kind of feel to it. Yeah, there there is a citrus kind of pineapple note to it as well, That's isn't exactly there? Exactly what I was about to say. A pineapple yeah. kind of luau. They put the the pig in the ground, like let it smoke <laughs> for a long time. Whole like, pig roast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what I'm kind of getting with this. Anyway, continue. No, no, no. I, I, I think that the, the, the palate is just slightly below that. And it's, it's not that I, I dislike it by any means, but it's just, it needs to be pushed into, I think, the next realm. And I am experiencing, you know, the brown sugar notes. I am definitely getting these savory notes we can, we, we can't get off of, um, but I, I just, I want a little bit something more, but not so much more that I'm frustrated with it. I gave it a 2.75 on the palate. The finish, though, I am all about. I gave it a 3.5. I think that's where things kind of explode. That's where I start feeling like um, I want to go back for another sip. I want to continue drinking this bourbon and enjoying it and sharing it with people. I think that, you know, the 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 finish is really where... Uh, this shines. That being said, I know the price. I know the product. 
I know the mash bill of this whiskey. Oh, okay. Oh, no I know. Way. Yes. So, what do you all want to know first? The price. I want to know the price. I want to do the price without knowing the actual bottle. Exactly. Okay. So, this is a $45 bottle of bourbon. Okay. All right. With that in mind, I gave it a 3.5. I, and well, okay. I am also factoring in the age of it, which is, yeah, which might, might affect your, your price score a little bit as well. Do you want to know what the price or what the, uh, the, the age is? No. Before I want to know. Okay, let Swan. me go with mine. I'm going to give it a three. Okay, I think it's I think it's good. I don't think the age is is quite where I want it, or it's overage. One of the two. I'm not quite sure how to pinpoint that, but I, the corniness that I think you're probably going to reveal in the mash bill is just not is not my favorite. I will, however, admit it is a very unique experience that I think forty five dollars is worth paying for, and having because there's definitely going to be somebody that wants that more corn whiskey sure. you know thing going on yeah. and if you're a scotch drinker i think this is a wonderful introduction it's very oily which is a big scotch thing and then on top of it the smokiness i mean that's that's what you need for the peat add a little water to this as long as it holds up <laughs> it might be it might be a good transition bourbon who knows yeah for me i i want to i want to know what the age is in order to give an appropriate price um i totally agree with you swan though that i i just want to (laughs) know like i I think that it it will help influence it a little bit and help balance out my my uh, score all right this is at least a two-year-old bottle of bourbon (laughs) wait what it makes sense to me. Does does that help or hinder you there, Kurt? For me, it a little bit hinders me a little bit. Um, <laughs> you said at least, so I don't. At least, <laughs> but it it the it it is a straight bourbon whiskey, I think... and it does say on the label that it is at least two years old. So it could be a blend of like two to four, two to five, sure, or sure, even sure. on up. But it, it does explicitly state it is at least two years old. This reminds and, me of something I've had that kind of meets a lot of those parameters. So I'm and it's $45, right? Yes. Oof, man. Maybe I shouldn't have asked what the age was. <laughs> um, and, and in reality, it shouldn't affect me that much. I'm in between a 2.5 or a 3. I'll give it a 3 because where I'm at is it's such a unique experience and that something that you don't really see that often with uh, with any kind of whiskey or bourbon. Uh, it does offer a lot on the nose. Palette kind of lets uh, kind of goes a little bit lower and then the finish for me it just didn't do a ton for me, which I know you, uh, Perry, really enjoyed that. So price, I'm yeah. going to give it three. Okay. Can I make a guess before you reveal it, Perry? 
I would love for you to make a guess, Swan. This reminds me of the Peerless Straight Bourbon. You are incorrect. Oh, okay. I apologize. No. Okay. But this is the Chattanooga Straight Bourbon Whiskey from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Is it the one one eleven? This is the one eleven. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is seventy five percent yellow corn and twenty five percent malt. So when when I say the twenty five percent malt, uh, it is a combination of malted rye, caramel malted barley, and honey malted barley. Uh, mm. So there's no real exact percentages uh, that go into it, um, but you were very very right on the high corn content there, Swan, uh, especially in the the aging as well. Cool. Okay. So. I think it's unique, and I've heard from uh, one person in particular, Adam, that you should yes. mix their two releases 50-50, and mm-hmm. I've not been able to do that, but that's something I need to try. And we we will certainly do that on a future episode. Um, Papa Ritter actually has the uh, the other release, which I think is 99 proof or 98 proof. I thought it was 91 Oh, it is 91. Yeah, you're right. I apologize. So we'll, we will definitely do a blend of it um, at some point. But I think that this is one of the best two-year-old bourbons I've had, to be quite honest. I, I think that it has a good, robust flavor to it. I don't think that it's as deep as I would like for it to be. But I still think that it is highly, highly drinkable. I mean, there there are so many good things to be said about this bourbon that many people probably would overlook because it's not a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It's a Tennessee straight bourbon whiskey. I think it's great. And for me to even think it was Peerless is some high praise because I think yeah. Peerless has put out probably the single best young bourbon that I've had in a, yeah, in a long time. Absolutely. And yeah. uh I mean they both have that same quality of like yeah the corn's there but the smokiness is prominent and it provides an experience you don't get from much else. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was really excited for you to get for you guys to try this. It just, you know, it took the right time for us to all review it together. So I'm I'm gonna give it uh what what what's my score overall? I gave it a twelve point seven five. So this is at the very least a try for me. Yeah, I think I gave it an eleven and a half. I gave yeah. it a twelve, so definitely a try. I, so I, I think it's very very unique in the sense of, and I definitely get where the uh, the barley is where it's really the malted barley was where it's coming into yeah yeah so i think across the board it's a recommend maybe not necessarily a bottle buy recommend but at the very least try it i think you should try it yeah no it's a definite try at a bar for sure yeah for sure so we do have a few questions from listeners of the show uh that we're gonna hit before we wrap up 
Uh, Brian Bernicke asks if I have revisited the larceny barrel proof now that it's had some time to open up any changes in your opinion. Uh, yes, I think it is, uh, much better than it was when we tried it the first time, uh, on the show. Um, br- uh, Diana asks, uh, if you could only pick one bourbon to drink forever, what would it be? Ooh. Um, Ooh, man. If I had to pick, it would be Knob Creek Single Barrel. Okay. I'm not picky on which one because I honestly think the nine-year-old standard offering is just fine. I think you'll find some gems at occasion and you'll find ones you don't like, but I think that's enough variance for me to enjoy it for a good long while. Mm, that's That's a tough question. <laughs> is it though mr henry mckenna i think you can do it <laughs> i'm actually gonna go away from henry mckenna though oh, okay so i know this is kind of interesting or crazy but lately i've been having the e.h taylor small batch and I, could, I don't have any problem with that i could do that for quite a while i also and this is something that i've always kind of come back to but I think Booker's, just sure. because you get so, you get multiple releases throughout the year, mm-hmm. I guess it if you're restricting it to like one bottle, like they don't have releases, then in that sense, then I'll stick with the E.H. Taylor. But Booker's, it just offers a lot, and it's a high-quality bourbon for uh, with a high proof with complex flavors. Yeah, I am hard pressed to say anything else other than Elijah Craig Barrel Proof because uh, it it maintains a high quality, and of course you can cut it with water if you need to. But I I think that it's uh you know just about the best out there. Yeah, it is. I'll fight anybody mm-hmm. who says otherwise. <laughs> it's it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, I've got like 10 bottles of it sitting in my house right now, so I can't can't argue with that one. So I, I'm going to pose this question, and I'm going to let people uh, respond to it, uh, and I want you you and uh, you guys, Curtis and Swan, uh, to kind of think about it over the next week or so uh, until we record again, um, because it does demand some thought. It demands some consideration. Uh, this comes from Don Nishida uh, on our Facebook group. This is my bourbon group, which you can join at facebook.com. Just search for this is my bourbon group, and we will add you in there. Uh, he asked, with the troubled financial markets and the oncoming recession, is this what kills the secondary bourbon market and brings prices back in line? Or will it go back to business as usual in six months? So if you have a take on that, a thought on that, you can send us uh, your response to this my bourbon shop at gmail.com or on Twitter at my bourbon pod uh, or even Instagram as well. Uh, we are all across the board. Uh, basically, if you just search for this my bourbon podcast, you will be able to find us. So I would be interested to see what people think about, you know, what's going on with the market at the moment. Uh, I personally think that it's okay. It's going to bounce back, but you know, we have some time to uh, to consider it. But in the meantime, 
we do have tips and bits to get through before we wrap the show up. So, guys, what tips and bits do you have for the people this week? Tips and bits. Um, I've seen this a few places, and I'm going to recommend this. Even with this quarantine stuff that we're going through right now, definitely try to maintain a regular schedule. Get up at about the same time. Get out and do some things, uh, even if it's just walking around. But I, I think that's super important because I spent the entire weekend not getting, you know, getting up late or super early only to play video games. To be honest, it was it just I went back to work today and I felt so strange just even existing in my workplace. <laughs> uh, so I definitely recommend doing that, but also play some video games. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Same. Nothing like a contradictory kind of bits and bits. Just have it, you know, at the nighttime, not maybe at like 6 a.m. when you're like, well, I don't know why I'm awake, but it's video game time. <laughs> yeah, I have noticed that, that I've been at like 4 a.m. I'm sitting there going, man, I'm still awake. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> you know, I, I think it has a little bit of uh the time change from a, a few weeks oh sorry a few weeks ago then i was like i was like man it's light out still but it's eight o'clock so i've got plenty of time sure um but for me i've been watching tiger king on netflix <laughs> uh, joe exotic joe exotic for sure Joe exotic is my man yeah um, I haven't watched it all yet, but I've watched a couple episodes. That it's just crazy. So, pretty much to explain what it is, is it's about the you know, it's about <laughs> profit for zoos and uh, tigers and big cats, all those kind of things. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. It's super interesting. Um, a lot of turns just crazy (laughs) well i also don't know if anybody uh has watched this but if you have not and you know you want a little bit of background on joe exotic go look up his campaign ads uh for the presidency in 2016 because they are amazing (laughs) and that's that's all i'm gonna say about that um yeah he's a very broke man (laughs) yes Anyway, um, during the isolation period, I have spent a lot of time actually playing video games on my Nintendo Switch, and there have been a couple that I have locked into, one of which being Cuphead. Uh, I can't remember the full name, but Cuphead is the the main title of it. Super difficult platformer, side-scrolling, run-and-gun kind of game, but still a whole lot of fun. Uh, another one is called Anodyne, A-N-O-D-Y-N-E. Uh, that has actually been out for, I think, about six or seven years, uh, but was just released to the Switch over the past few years. Uh, it is kind of similar to the like Legend of Zelda style of gameplay, like early Zelda um, with the top-down view, uh, but is so much fun. Also, Curtis... I can't believe we haven't talked about this. Childish Gambino released a new album today. He sure did. 
and just in stylish fashion with no warning or anything. So I am very excited to check that out. Have you listened to any of it? I have not listened to any of it other than like Summertime Magic or, you know, whatever came out uh, over the past year or so. I don't even that's not on the, on the album, I don't think. Oh, is it not? I don't believe so. Ooh, okay. Well, I have um, no idea I, what I'm getting into then. Yeah, for real. Um, I've listened to probably about four or five songs of it. <laughs> Somebody just started up their Switch. Yeah, no, my just turned off the TV. My bad. <laughs> awesome. Um, Isolation's getting so awful that you can't even drink bourbon and talk about it. Yeah, come on, Swan. Um, so I, (laughs) (laughs) no response. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's classic childish Gambino. Like you just don't expect what he's going to do. He takes a different turn when you think he's going to go left. Like it's really good. It has kind of a Prince vibe, which, uh, which, yeah. So I think you'll probably like it pretty well. Um, I'm all over that. Yeah. So I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about, okay, what do we think this is? It's a different vibe, but, but what specific kind of artist would you attribute it to? And it has sort of a Prince vibe on the back end of the album. Um, so it's good. It's different. Give it a chance for sure. Because that's what, I mean, Childish Gambino has, you go from you rain. I mean, he just can range from everything. Yeah. So, uh, so it's definitely good. It's just different. Yeah. And I think you'll well, like it a lot, Perry. No, I'm, I'm sure I will. I mean, I love Gambino anyway, so I can't wait. Same. We've, we've <laughs> talked about Gambino a lot. So, so many times. Yeah. Well, let's stop talking about Gambino and wrap up the show. Why don't we? So guys, First off, thank you all so much for committing to recording, even though we're not in the same room right now. Yeah, I'm def- I'm definitely looking at your chairs and feeling very sad that you're not here. So, me too. <sighs> Quarantine cannot be over soon enough. True. Yeah. So, uh, where can people find you all on social media? I'm at my Bourbon Finder on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, on Instagram, you can find me at KurtCon. On Twitter, Kurt underscore Con 15. Also, if you'd like to find me, I am at PRitter1492 on all social media channels. If you would like to follow the show, though, it is at my Ribbon Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can give us a five-star rate and review on iTunes, which really does help us out. You can check that out right in the podcast app on your iPhone. Uh, I do have a lovely little review from friend of the show, Don Nishida, who just uh, sent in a question, which we are going to talk about a little bit later, a little bit later, meaning next week (laughs) on on the show. Uh, His title was one of the best bourbon podcasts out there. Thank you, Don, so much. He said, totally enjoy the conversation between Perry, Swan, and Curtis as I've been listening to the podcast for some time now. Not only do they post honest reviews, have some great special guests, and feature cool segments like Flying Blind, 
but they make it uh, feel like I'm just hanging out with them as their discussions are very easy and comfortable. My favorite segment, though, has got to be Tips and Bits. Okay, thanks, Don. <laughs> More Tips and Bits to come. Maybe we'll do a whole like uh, recommendation segment or a whole recommendation episode um, since we're all kind of quarantined right now. Yeah, Would that- you guys be okay with that? Yeah, oh, I'd definitely be okay with that. All right, I mean, well, we could maybe do a bonus episode in the coming week where we just recommend stuff to, to people. Yeah, Tips and Bits is one of those things that I'm like, I feel like we talk about video games, Travis <laughs> Gambino, uh, like very niche kind of people, but uh, I'm definitely about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, 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 we'll talk about that here in the next couple of days. Uh, he closes out his review with great job, gents. Thank you so much, Don. Appreciate you as always. And anybody who leaves a review on the podcast app on your Apple iPhone, you can check out all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. Um, there, I think, is a little bit of a sale going on that helps out creators. So check that out. We'll talk about that more a little bit here soon. Uh, you can send questions or comments to this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. Uh, you can send in your questions, comments, voicemail, whatever, uh, for our barrel ring segment, which we haven't done in a hot minute, but we would love to get started up here very soon. Uh, all you have to do is call 859-428-8253 uh, and leave a voicemail for us and we'll respond to it on the podcast. So... You can do that. And very last, but very not least, patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast is where you can become a patron of the show. As we talked about at the top of the episode, uh, we really do appreciate everybody who is already a patron of the show. Uh, I know times are not the best right now, but we do appreciate everybody who has continued to keep the show going. Um, We are going to get through this together. And I, I appreciate everybody who has um, helped us do that. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help the show. Uh, for as little as $5 a month, you get bonus content like our pregame chats. Uh, you can also get the bonus episodes that come out every month. Uh, March's bonus episode is coming out here in a <clears throat> couple of days as my voice cracks and I go back through puberty. Um, but otherwise... I just want to say thank you all to everybody who is still downloading and listening to the show. This is great. I I appreciate you guys so much. Um, Curtis and Swan, thank you all for recording with me, even though we're not in the same room. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for the mic setup, man. Now I can actually talk to you guys. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's awesome. Of course. Uh, We will see you all next week. But until then, I'm Perry. I'm Curtis. And I'm Swan. And this is my bourbon podcast. <laughs>